Hello, ski racing fans, and welcome to the American Downhillers podcast, episode three of season two. I'm Doug Lewis, together with world championship medalist AJ Kitt, Chamonix downhill champion Marco Sullivan, and soon to join us, Honnenkamp winner Darren Rawls. Our goal is to share with you the stories, facts, legends, and inside lines of World Cup downhill. Today, we are talking about America's downhill, the birds of prey at Beaver Creek in Colorado with a very special guest, Travis Ganong. Thanks for joining us, Travis. How are you and where are you? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm actually in Beaver Creek. Uh, first training run is tomorrow morning. And so we flew down from Lake Louise yesterday, um, had a day off today to kind of get the body all sorted out and ready. And uh, yeah, starting tomorrow, it'll be fun. So you are a two-time Olympian. He's thrown himself down the World Cup downhill, 104 starts, won two of the toughest downhills on the circuit, Santa Catarina and Garmisch, and on the Birds of Prey, he won the silver medal in 2015. Travis, why is the Birds of Prey downhill one of the best? Um, I mean, I think the, the, first, the first reason why it's so good is the snow. The snow is always perfect, cold, grippy Colorado snow, and after two training rounds and two races with 60, 70 guys starting, there's not even a dent in the snow. So you can, as a ski racer, you can go in and push the line, ski how you want. Um, the conditions are just epic. So, I mean, that makes it super enjoyable to ski and, and it's in the U S I mean, it's great to race America's downhill, uh, every year coming here to Beaver Creek is just like one of the highlights of the season. Um, and it's one of the most fun tracks too. So, I mean, so many, so many positives here in the B. Hey, Travis, you know, speaking of the snow, um, I'm in Lake Louise. We just kind of flip-flop places because I'm up here um, coaching some of the women at this uh, Women's World Cup this week, and we were talking about the snow conditions here, and you were saying how icy it was. Um, I know the snow, the snow quality and the conditions, the humidity and everything is a little bit different between here and Beaver Creek. How do you make that adjustment, uh, you know, going into kind of a different race? Like, it's a different approach, to totally different technically, but um you know it's going to be a bit of a switch on the snow as well and that's a big feel thing for you guys right yeah I mean it's it's like night and day really like the, the the snow conditions up in Canada versus here it's it's pretty polar opposite I would I would have um compared the conditions last week in Lake Louise more to like a European kind of crumbly icy bumpy um not very grippy and and fast snow whereas here in Colorado it's obviously grippy cold consistent snow and, and just totally different feeling on the skis so we were very very prepared for Colorado snow after we trained the last two and a half three weeks in copper and so as a team going up to Lake Louise it's always a challenge adjusting to the different snow up there and, and it's it's tough it's not easy and, and I mean that that's a, a struggle that we have every year with our commitment of going to copper and training there it's like we miss out on the the kind of the, the icy bumpy bad I mean they're bad conditions but that you, we have to race in those conditions so we, when we come back here to, to Beaver Creek the transition is actually a lot easier because we've been training on the snow for a month now and and I mean it's it's almost like a, you take a sigh like a little relief you're like oh we're back here like we know the snow our equipment's dialed for it like game on let's go so yeah, the snow here's a lot like Europe and you guys are you went from here to Beaver Creek, to the Colorado Corduroy, blue, you know, perfectly uh, ego snow. And then you've got to go back over to Europe and get on this kind of gnarly, humid, icy snow where it burns the edges of the skis. So it's a, it's kind of a roller coaster ride, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the whole downhill tour is, is, is always changing really like, like having a consistent season on the world cup tour, you have to be able to adjust to the different conditions in different places. And so like, 
I mean, Valgardana, obviously that, that place can be really grippy Colorado kind of snow as well, but then you go to Bormio the next week and it's just the exact opposite again. And so you're constantly shifting and adjusting. And, and I mean, like our, our, uh, our main thing we do after Valgardana to get ready for Bormio is we go to Fulgaria where they, they water the hill like crazy for the tech guys. And we do two days of GS. It's not, it's not safe enough to do super G on the hill. It's so steep, but we do two days of GS on like the iciest bumpiest snow after the tech guys have trained there for two weeks and it's it rattles your brain it's just it's like a tough day and it doesn't feel good but then you go to Bormio and you're like okay I know what this is gonna feel like so I mean it's it's a constant struggle like week to week just to change the the, the setup and, and change your mentality and change your technique too because there's different styles of skiing that work on different types of snow so it's like yeah it's, like I said it's nice to be here in Beaver Creek knowing that the snow is probably going to be perfect and grippy and and ego snow like you said and we and it's as a racer that means you can do whatever you want and and i mean that's fun so take that one step further about the mentality um say you're going to a a, a snow uh condition or a race that you don't like and this is for the junior racers who have to do the same thing how do you go into a place that you may not like or you may not have had great results how do you mentally get prepared for something that you may not be psyched about yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, um, everyone else, everyone you're racing against is dealing with the same exact conditions, and so everyone's in the same boat. It, you're not alone. Like you go to a place where it's really tough conditions, and it's not ideal. It's maybe it's raining, maybe it's like soft snow, maybe it's hard snow. Everybody has to is dealing with the same kind of thing. It's not like you're alone in that. Like, I mean, maybe some people have have more confidence on different types of snow, and and that's that's. Yeah, you can't focus on that. You just have to know that everyone's dealing with the same thing. And and I mean, for me personally, growing up in in Tahoe, like I we we don't all always ski on soft, perfect snow. We ski on ice and and in the rain. And I mean, skiing variable snow as a kid, I I can adjust to different types of snow pretty easily compared to some people. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of ways to manage it with your setup as well. I mean, there's, you can get into such details about how you manage different conditions and different whatever, but at the end of the day, everybody's dealing with the same snow and the same conditions. And, and that's something to remember because you're not alone. Yeah. You had a relatively like solid weekend, in Lake Louise, nothing like that really stood out that I was kind of expecting a little more from you, obviously. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what you, you pull out here in Beaver Creek. So I know there's like in your wheelhouse, it's home turf and uh how you kind of how are you coming into this week right now and your first training runs tomorrow correct yeah first training run tomorrow yeah no i mean i th this hill has been really good to me throughout my whole career i think between the silver medal of the world champs and then third place last year in the super g and then i've been fourth fifth fifth sixth i've had a bunch of really high quality results um i love this hill it's it's uh i skied it more than anyone now that i'm been on, I've been, I've been racing the world cup for 14 years now. So like I've, I've skied this hill a lot. Um, it's fun to ski. There's tons of fun terrain. There's big jumps. It's just like, it's a, it's fun to ski. And so, I mean, that's kind of the mentality I'm taking into this week. I, I don't think I'm going to be doing this that much longer. There's a lot of other things I want to do in my life. And, and so with that mentality, knowing that maybe these are the last times I'm going to be racing on these hills. Um, it's, it's just really fun to be able to show up and be in that mindset and just like send it and enjoy every single moment because it is really fun and once it's done it's done but um last week up in lake louise for sure like i i could have done more but the conditions were brutal and i mean i had some bad training runs and and in the race itself i think it was a really positive uh race because i had 
two splits. I had one split 49th and one split 47th on the top. And there, there was so much loose snow out of the track. And so to have two really slow splits and then be ninth fishnet fall away and second on the bottom split was like a lot of positives to take out of that. So, um, the, the speed is there and yeah, I mean, it's yeah. tough. It's a tough sport. So hopefully on race day, the race days here, I mean, I have two chances in the downhill this year, which is awesome. So hopefully by race day, I can put together some cool, good skiing and enjoy the, the enjoy it. Yeah. This goes out to everyone. I'll start with you, Travis, though, but uh, Darren and AJ or AJ and Marco as well. The races in America, advantage or more pressure? Um, hmm. I mean, obviously, like while we're here, we have lots of outside commitments to the, to the ski racing. So like it's not a simple week. We have to go to donor dinners. We have autograph signings. Our families are here. Like there's a lot of things behind the scenes going on that people don't see. And so it can be distracting, but, um, for me, I've always not really, that hasn't really bothered me. And I, I just enjoy being here. It's, it's, uh, I don't think there's more stress by any means, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, not, I didn't answer the question, but that's my mentality. <laughs> what do you, you gotta embrace it. I mean, you're definitely pulled in so many different directions and, and, uh, just, but manage your time. Well, you know, it's like, you gotta do these signings, a few that, you know, these, uh, appearances, but, you know, just like, you got to know yourself and what works best for you. And it's like, Hey, you know, just, I need this time. Sometimes you had voice that. I think that was a tough part there, but you know, there's so much support and so much energy behind you guys. You got to know that. And then you use that fuel to just like help shoot you out of that start a little quicker and to just like take you all the way down the mountain. I think that's kind of what was so fun for me. Like you said, you nailed it as far as like, it's a fun track to ski. And that mentality is going to make a big difference, you know, for anybody that has that sort of like those thoughts in your head. And I love hearing you talk about that way. And we know you love those kind of turns up there. It's technical and there's big errors and all that. So. Yeah. I think going back to Lou's question of the home race, like the fact that our home race is Beaver Creek makes it unique. Cause it's such a fun track. Um, even if you are feeling more pressure, I always felt like it was just so much fun to kick out of that start gate and you know, obviously everyone or Darren and, and Travis have had ton, tons of success there. AJ, I don't think you ever, did you get to race it? Or I was was it? One time. You did one time. Yeah. But it's just like, it's such a, a great track. And um, I was actually going to touch on what you said before Travis about talking about snow conditions. Like I've always thought Beaver Creek would be, one of the gnarliest hills in the world if the snow conditions were like european style but the fact that they're like colorado style makes it almost easy in a sense um like what do you what do you think about that (laughs) i know i i 100 agree with you on that point like if that was injected bormio snow and bumpy it would be so so much gnarlier than anything on the world like the, the hill itself is steep and there's tons of terrain and it's high speed but because it's grippy Colorado snow, it's, it's actually fairly easy. I, I totally agree with you. And it's, it's short. So like your legs aren't tired at the bottom at all. It's, it's, it's not physically demanding. So it's like all those things make it pretty manageable, but imagine if there was 20 more seconds at the, at the start and it was icy, that, that hill would be gnarly. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a total gong show. I mean, coming over the brink after another, you know, 20 seconds in that ice, I mean, man, it would be a completely different game. 
Uh, well, building on that, this course is dangerous. Svindal went down on Golden Eagle. Jansrud last year injured. Dressen and Franz have gone down. Bodie in the abyss. It does seem easy and flowy, but it takes out some of the best regularly. Why? How do you explain that? I mean, that that just comes down to terrain, though. Like the, the it's a terrain park. It's so most most injuries, most crashes, I I think come from like super icy, gnarly, injected conditions or holes developing or that that kind of stuff and 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 the the turn that we, that is missing on this hill but the train like the abyss i mean if you go into the abyss and you're a little bit backseat or you try to bend the ski in the wrong spot it'll launch you and like Jansrud last year going into pump house like being a little bit inside and then getting kicked off that little roll going to the fence i mean and then spend all the big jump off of, of uh golden eagle just being a little bit back off the jump and the wind catching his tips and him landing on his back i mean th- those are all like those are aspects of downhill racing that are super important and they are dangerous, but it's not the same danger that I see as like the real dangers in downhill. Those are just, I mean, they're parts of it, but I guess, yeah, I guess as a American, we love the train. So it's for, I see, I see it in a different light, I guess. You talk about the golden Eagle, you know, it's a big jump. It, I feel like it used to be big in, in recent years, I've heard it called the golden seagull a few times. Like <laughs> what's up with the smaller. I don't know. I, 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 it's a, it's a theme on the world cup right now. Like, so what they did is the, the, the turns before golden Eagle, they, they put in like three super G turns that you have to push as hard as you can out of your tuck to even make. And so the, by the time you hit golden seagull, you're going like 40 kilometers less. It's, it's changed a lot. My first year racing there, you, you did the turn off of, uh, uh, what's the, the jump above there. Um, reach out. Screech out, you do screech out, and then there's like one turn coming off screech out, and then you more or less tucked into Golden Eagle. Like that was the, the old set, right? And so, I mean, adding three super turns before, it's, it's, yeah, taking a little bit of the teeth out of it for sure. But that's the way things are going. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's like a, a conscious decision that's made for that, but that's where things are going. So I, I tell you, that bothered me so much because, I mean, you guys are the best. You guys train, you're in physical shape. Like, yes, like when you're pushing it, mistakes are going to happen. And Louie just nailed it, like with all the top guys that had big crashes. Even Marco Sullivan crashed off the last jump, but I think he tried to pop it a little too far. <laughs> a little show on for the crowd, but I want to see you guys get tested. I want to see the big gnarly stuff, and, and that's what you, where you could separate yourself. And it was like you were coming in fast, the Golden Eagle. And it was just um, it was one of those things that, Things, it's changed quite a bit. I understand the safety aspect. I mean, for you, I know you embrace the air, Travis, but like, do you feel like it's been voiced pretty, pretty like strongly from the athletes and the teams are like, Hey, like, let's slow this stuff down. I mean, look at Kitsville last year, they put an extra turn in the, in the side hill. And, and uh, that kind of took away from like that NAR factor there on the, on the side hill traverse. But I mean, what, what's the overall kind of vibe from the athletes? So, you know, is it more just coming from above, like making these changes or is it actually coming from the racers themselves? Um, yeah, I think, I think like in general, the European teams are really against jumps. And so like, for example, like during inspections, the, the Germans, the Austrians, the Swiss, some of the Italians, they're, they're standing on jumps, just chipping away at the lips of these things. And like, and like constantly That's trying to make it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And they're always complaining and they're always saying like, I don't know, they're always making a point. Like we, we have a, an athletes working group um, 
that it's kind of an informal thing. And so like each, what, like maybe the, the, one of the top skiers on each team is in this WhatsApp chat group. And we check in after each training run and race to see how things are going. And, and yeah, I mean, the, 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 the conversation around making the jump smaller and smaller and smaller, it's a constant thing that's coming from the European teams. And I don't know why, like, I don't know. I mean, a lot of those kids who are racing now didn't grow up doing speeds skills camps and practicing that kind of stuff. And, and they're, I mean, they're great skiers, but they, they maybe missed out on some of that development. So um, yeah, it's kind of taken away a little bit from what downhill should be, but. I don't think that stuff is new. I mean, I, I remember back in when I came in in the eighties, there were bureaus that were scraping with their ski at the lip of the jump and the coaches were doing the same thing. I mean, they've always, seem to be wanting to shave it down and, you know, keep the air under control. And I completely agree that, you know, it's always been a, in our wheelhouse because, you know, we like the terrain, like you said, Travis, Beaver Creek's great because it's like a terrain park and we figure that stuff out. Um, and then, you know, we get to train it at the, at, especially at our, our downhill camps, but, you know, like copper training, you know, we had some club kids that were training in copper the last couple of weeks and you saw those guys travis there was some good air there and that was good training for those guys you know um and it's just unfortunate that that, that element of of downhill and it's such a unique element i mean you get a little bit of it in super g but definitely in solomon gs you don't get it at all and, just, and air is such a great element i love the the, the big rusi jump in in Quitfield at midstation i mean you fly 200 225 feet off of that thing and it's perfectly safe and it's just a great way for, you know, skiers to show their abilities and their skills. And, and it's too bad that that's just going away. Yeah, I mean, I think the lights the light out jump at Copper from training this year is probably going to be the biggest jump we hit all year, which so is like fun. pretty sad, I think. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, going back to that, though, it's just like I love watching Supercross and Moto. And, and like when you have those big, gnarly jumps and the really difficult, challenging um, rhythm sections, you see the best, you know, like shine. And that's where they actually make up time. They pull away. When you make things easy, everybody can pretty much do it. And I think that's the element that's like exciting to watch, exciting to ski. And going back to what both you guys said about a lot of the Euros chipping, you know, the takeoffs down. Like I saw that one time in Garmisch. I got kind of mad at some of the, the guys for doing it. These Austrians like, hey, if you want, if you're worried about the speed or the air, stand up and put a speed check in there because i'm not you know yeah, like, yeah don't take that away from me because that's no, not I know, I'm just, separate i need to find places where i can be faster than you guys and, and this is like i want to fly anyways it's fun but yeah that's um that's a tough guy it is what it is and i think with hannes trinkle he's trying to like implement a lot of terrain in the tracks which is cool i mean you guys have some really awesome terrain there coming out of talon and you know even just i mean i'm not sure how it's going to be this year but world champs that was badass up there and that's where you really you know shine and it's just we could tell that that tahoe style kid you know like that those the skiing skills come out when it gets like really technical with terrain at speed and so i hope it doesn't keep getting worse yeah i mean we'll hopefully tomorrow morning we'll go up for inspection and it'll be like super fast coming into golden eagle and tons of good train and yeah we'll see what it's like tomorrow i mean we're assuming right now based on the last years but We'll see. <laughs> Dude, you should bring a shovel with you and start packing up the takeoff a little bigger than Eagle. <laughs> there, that wouldn't, that wouldn't go over. Or like scraping snow there and packing up this lip a little more and see what those guys say. <laughs> Wend produces a sophisticated line of ski and snowboard waxes 
for use by skiers, riders, racers, and shops. The current WEND snow wax formulations have come from over 50 years of progressive blend reformulation and on-slope and in-lab testing. This has been in conjunction with the feedback of some of the world's top ski and snowboard athletes. Athletes who know real speed, like Kitzbühel champ Darren Rolfs and 2019 Birds of Prey GS champion Tommy Ford. WEND no longer sells any products containing fluorocarbon compounds and instead utilizes natural, plant-derived and or biodegradable additives that substantially increase the overall eco-friendliness of the WEND Snow Wax product line. Give WEND a follow on Instagram at WEND Waxworks and purchase your WEND products at WENDPerformance.com. And don't forget to use the code ADH20 for 20% off your purchase. I'm going to start with Travis. Uh, and you guys can either agree or let's pick another section. But Travis, for Beaver Creek, Birds of Prey, what's your favorite section? You know, there's sections down here. There's the flats. There's, you know, um, the Brink and Talon. There's Pizzerina. There's Roosie's. What is your favorite section? And try to describe what it feels like to go through there. I mean, they're, they're all my favorite sections. But if I was going to choose one, um, landing off Golden Eagle and then stiff-legging the Abyss, and that feeling of of like floating out of that, switching in the air, landing into Redtail, and the launch or into Harrier, launching off of that, and then the switch the switch from there into the right footer, into the finish jump. I mean, that's that that section. Those like twenty seconds are as close as we get to like free skiing and downhill. It's so fun. There's tons just tons of space for you to kind of pick and choose where you want to go. You can trim some line. You can give some up. Um, there's blind turns. There's jumps. There's I mean three big jumps. There's high speed, and you have to like have quick switches and get on the ski in certain sections. So like that, that section is so much fun. I mean, I think the, the sections above are a lot more technical and, and there's, there's more going on there. And as soon as I land off golden Eagle, I, I like black out. I don't think about anything until I get to the finish. It's like, it's like just autopilot at that point. It's fun down there. I love it. I echo Travis. That's my favorite part of that course too. It's not, not just my favorite part to ski up, but it's my favorite part to watch for that same reason. And some of the terrain here, I was telling some of the, the ladies today, you know, there's a lot of terrain at Lake Louise and the course is kind of set around the terrain. I'm like, let's look at the terrain, ski the terrain. And that's the way that last section of Beaver Creek is. It's if you can just find the rhythm of the terrain and ski the terrain, it doesn't really matter as much if you're on the perfect line around the gates because the, the flow of the terrain is where the speed is. I'd go with the same one. I'm, I'm, I hate to sound like a parrot, but I mean, that section is so good. And it, like Travis said, it feels the most like free skiing of any part of a downhill, I think. The way you're waiting and unweighting the ski, getting light, go, getting every time you're on the ground, you're doing a little bit of a redirection. And then you're light again, off big jump, big jump. You know, it's like, it's the best for sure. D-Money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just uh, that bottom is great too. It just it takes a lot of will to go fast too. Looking for aerodynamics, like that last right footer going to the big jump. But I'll take it up to, um, say, come out the brink into the net turn on a talon. It's pretty cool to feel that, like, acceleration as you drop in and try and, like, trim off line there where you can and go, like, just going more direct and get that big belly at the, uh, at the net and come back on talon. And there's some great action there where it goes, like, banked a little fall away. And then um, all through there, it's just it's – just, I mean, it's coming at you. It's in your face. And I love that stuff. And then you come through pump house and speeds picked up. I just, I mean, like Travis said before, I like them all. I love all those sections except for the damn start to the brink. Like that's just, 
Come on, yeah, G, that run the top section is me and Marco's wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. I was always like uh, trying to make up time from the from the first section on. When I had won the silver medal in 2015, that was one of the the first times that I was competitive on the top flat. And I, I think I think Nyman won that split by like two tenths, like he normally does. And and I think I was like I don't know fifteen hundreds out. Like I was like I was like second on that split to Nyman pretty much when I went, which was wow. like yeah that in, in the rest of my career like I've always been behind there too and trying to catch up on the way down and that one day was different. So yeah. well, I mean, you have to be competitive up there. If you're more than three tenths out up there, it's so hard. Like real, you know, the top guys in, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that's just, it's a big part. I think that's, it has all the elements. That's what I love, love about Birds of Prey. It's like, has all the elements. Um, you have to do that gliding, but it's really stacked technically and a lot of terrain, big jumps. And then like you guys were all loving the bottom. It is wide open and that's more downhill style. And it's fun to have it. Trav, talk to uh, uh, junior downhillers, junior speed skiers about that top 30 seconds. Are you just sitting there trying to be as calm as possible? What goes through your head to work and to create and to win and be fast on that very flat section? I mean, there's, there is terrain up there. So like each gate normally has like a knuckle on it. And so the, the way that you, the timing of when you like push on the ski and bend the ski and then work that terrain, you can for sure still build speed and, and, and gain time doing that it's not like you just turn your brain off and you wait until you get to the brink like you you can actively be doing stuff in that top 30 seconds and 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 then the other big thing is like great example last year the first training run the die lines from the start to the first gate went like around a little bit and and Bryce and I were standing there during the inspection and we looked we were still at the first game we looked back at the start and we're like wait a second like the, the line is like three meters inside of where they put this die mark. Like we can just go straight at this first gate and cut off distance. And so like everyone else, that first training round just followed the blue line into the first gate and they gave up three meters of distance. So it's like little things like that in sections like that, people overlook as they kind of turn their brains off. But if you pay attention, you can find little ways. And I mean, obviously by, by the second training round, they everyone watched the video and they're like, oh yeah, this is where you should go. So it's like- Save some of those. i believe it's gonna work race day hey trap plane when you're trying to milk train like you're saying there's those knuckles like those rollers right at a gate on the top flats like what do you do to try and like squeeze a little more speed out of those yeah i mean so so moving into the so say the, the the train is right at the gate when your ski's bent so trying to trying to kind of finish finish that turn and release the ski and just find the backside of the rolls and then push hard on it so you can like accelerate uh over the train versus versus coming in and like bending the ski hard into the gate and then just getting launched and landing hard and missing that transition so it's all about like finding the transitions and and taking the speed and and flowing through that terrain moving i mean moving while trying to stay aerodynamic but your legs can work a lot I mean, it's easy in those easy sections just to turn your brain off and be like, I don't know, just waiting till the brink starts. But but you can, yeah, you can still. I mean, we should we should have Nyman on this to figure out what he does up there. I'm curious too because he's always so fast up there. <laughs> Maybe that's Leo, uh, his technician. But well, talk to Marco. Marco is always fast. What do you do? Yeah, man? yeah. yeah what's gliding? You know, gliding is it is a very active, dynamic thing. People misinterpret gliding as you're just standing there trying to be on a flat ski, but I always remember like really working that top flat, just like you guys are explaining, you're looking for every little nuance of terrain, 
you're in your low bully and you got to be like pretty flexible to, to be able to move your your knees and ankles in your low bowl stay in aerodynamic and um you know i was like a good glider but i always thought it was really fun too to find that extra speed on stuff where other guys would just kind of look at it and be like you know think how easy it looking flat it was but there's a lot of stuff up there for sure marco when you were when you i mean you're obviously one of the best gliders that's been on our team ever when you're gliding like do you kind of try to relax into your position? I mean, I, I yeah, I, I guess I'm just, what's your mentality when it comes to gliding? Like what was your, what was your secret sauce? <laughs> I mean, I was, I feel like I was lucky or maybe, I don't know if it was luck, but I had like a really, I was really relaxed in my tuck and I could like be in my low, low tuck and still have a lot of movement with my lower legs and kind of be feeling out the terrain. Um, and I, I think it's just a touch thing, you know, growing up in, in powder skin and and in the variable conditions in Tahoe, like you explained, um, you know, a ton of free ski and a ton of just learning the feel of the snow. And then once I was a downhiller, it was like just using that feel, but actually being in your tuck and trying to gain speed that out of everything. Yeah, I mean, I noticed like when we were teammates for all those years, when, when you would kind of sink into that low tuck, you would kind of like. I don't know, wiggle, wiggle or shake your legs a little bit and find that kind of sweet spot. And then you just be stuck in it and it just like, you just take off. It's pretty cool. I've, I've tried, I've tried to kind of learn from those little things from watching, but um, yeah. <laughs> Marco, Marco is definitely a fast glider, but the undisputed champ, I think in gliding is AJ. Right. And I mean, like, come on, so, Alpine jet, give us some of your tips, man. I have a few nuggets. Um, I think the big thing for me is I always shifted my weight back to my heels a little bit when I got down to my low tuck and I was looking for gliding. I moved my weight to my heels, which was something I had to make sure that I got forward before the turns came up. But being on my heels would lighten the tips of my skis. And it, I feel like it uh, created a little bit less uh, resistance and just let the skis kind of find their own way down the terrain. So there was you know, less of the edges fighting the, fighting the terrain. Um, and then the other thing was I, I tried to really use my ankles. I tried to feel the terrain through the bottom of my feet. I tried to use my ankles to just articulate over all the terrain. And it's all, it's all micro terrain stuff at that point. And as much as your ankles are kind of fixed in your ski boot and they don't move that much, um, they move on a micro level enough to really move over that little bit of terrain. Um, and the combination, I think, of those two things and then just being really aerodynamic as much as possible. Uh, and just sort of, I, I felt like for me, gliding down a course was like watching water ripple through gentle rapids. The water's just following the rapids wherever it kind of goes. And I always tried to just let my skis follow the terrain of the hill as much as I possibly could without, you know, veering offline too much. Yeah, I thought of it as controlled chaos. So uh, I was a tiny guy and I was super arrow, but to be arrow, I needed to be controlled in my in my upper body. So the elbows were always in. It's amazing how many elbows are out of, over the knees on World Cup next week at Beaver Creek for all the people that are not focusing on arrow. So I had that con that control on top, super arrow, but hips, knees, ankles were where the chaos was, just as you guys are saying it. They just had to be loose and chaotic and to let go of that control uh, uh, on the knees, uh, hips, and ankles. So that's how I thought of it. So uh, I'm going to move to the Super G, Trav, because you got third last year. You've never crashed in a training run or downhill at Birds of Prey. 
but you've crashed four times in Super G. Uh, but you've also been fast in Super G. Is Super G more dangerous on that hill? Like, explain the chaos of Super G on that hill. I've actually never crashed in Super G. Oh. <laughs> I looked it up. I, I missed it, I guess. Well, DNF, a DNF, missing like, a gate is a lot different than crashing. Okay, my fault. Yeah, yeah. No, I so mean, why I do you have four DNFs? Well, so that's just the nature of the beast. So Super G, obviously, you have to you have to to push hard without a training run, and there's tricky sections always. And so, like, I mean, last year there's two Super Gs, and the first Super G, um, there's always a little section coming through uh, Pete's Arena, and I keep forgetting the name of that jump before the flat. Uh, Screech Owl. Screech Owl. Screech Owl. In, yeah, right, right through Screech Owl, and then onto that flat before Golden Eagle. There's always the, the trail bends and there's always a tricky little section where there's a blind gate and you, you don't really know how much like shape you need coming off screech owl. Um, so last year in the first race, I, I was super fast on the top and then I just totally messed up the direction coming into there. And I kind of had to throw my ski sideways and, and gave up a ton of speed and, and ended up like in the twenties. And so for the second race day, which was, we don't normally get two super back to back, but I was able to like really look at that differently. And, and I just, I made a conscious decision after watching the, both all, all three forerunners, the POV camera guy, all missed that gate on the on the second day race day because I, I started second, I believe, and then the first racer missed that gate too. And so I made the decision to to like give a bunch there so I could like keep like connect the speed from the pitch onto the flats. And yeah, it all came together that day last year. And I think I was, I mean, I was pretty close to winning. Um, and getting a podium was awesome in Super G. But yeah, I mean, just to answer your previous question, like. Super G, just you have to push and you have to take some chances to be fast and, and missing gates is going to happen. But that's better than skiing safe and being slow. So you, you brought up a point that was interesting for me as a racer. Like I did not like to look at video or just the live feed because I was afraid of like just I, I've looked at that before. I've seen something, you know, mistake go down a certain turn or some terrain and it would affect me, you know, change my game plan a little bit. Um, it's so hard to tell on TV. I would use more of the athletes, my, you know, my teammates or coaches for adjustments I wanted to make. Are you always using that as reference when you can at the start to like watch? I mean, Super G is, it's tough. Yeah. For last year, like, um, I also, I also don't really like watching it on TV because it doesn't really portray what's happening. Like the, the angles don't really show the speed and the, the direction you need. And it's just, it's, it's useful. It's really useful for certain things, but in Super G, in that day particularly i was able to from the start to actually see what was going on because the start is so steep and, and you look straight down at most oh, of the you're looking, but, yeah so i saw it visually i didn't even i didn't see it on tv i saw it visually i saw how like the pov camera guy was going i don't know 20 30 kilometers an hour slower than what we were gonna go and he missed the gate and so i was like oh, okay that really pulls and so that that information is like super super valuable and the last couple of years i've been i've been ranked right around 10th in the world in super g and so that means that i've been starting first a lot and so I've, i haven't really had the chance to like watch tv or get a report from the coaches or get a report from a teammate like it's it's been really tough starting in that number one position a lot lately and so this year with the new start order that that'll be a little different um yeah super G's, i mean no matter how you you spell it out super g's tough yeah one uh one thing too um being home turf all, there's all Americans for running. So are you able, do you, do you talk to any of those guys beforehand? Just say, Hey, radio up and let me know about this one section. Just kind of curious about it, how it's running. 
Do you use? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, but we have done it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna. I, okay, you're not gonna do it this year. We know because it's no, illegal. I'll never do it again. I'll never do. It. <laughs> well, so okay, so last week up in Lake Louise, there was twelve or thirteen Italians and twelve or thirteen French that were trying to race, or, or vying for spots to race. And so on race day, a bunch of them obviously didn't race, and so the fist decided to allow those guys to forerun. So there was oh, no way. There was World Cup athletes from other countries forerunning Lake Louise, and I guarantee they radioed back up. You know, for like, sure. Yeah. This week, we are proud to welcome the ADL Ski Club as a new supporter to this season's podcast. The ADL has members all over the country and are huge fans of the World Cup and big supporters of the American Downhillers. Their dream trips go to Kitzbühel, Bingen, the Dolomites, and Japan for Japan. But this month, they are supporting the American Downhillers with an online auction to help raise money for the Men's Speed Team Coaches Mentorship Fund, and they need your help. The aim of the fund is to bring back experienced coaches and athletes to pass along their valuable insight, experience, and support to the new generation of coaches. This year's funds go to get Forrest Carey, Dane Spencer, and our own Marco Sullivan back coaching our best. For all information on supporting this fund, go to adlskiclub.com slash fundraiser. That's adlskiclub.com slash fundraiser. You can bet on all kinds of great U.S. ski team gear with race suits available from Steven Nyman, Jared Goldberg, and Tommy Ford, as well as official U.S. ski team clothing. All items are 100% tax deductible and will go exclusively to the fund. The ADL and Coach Scotty Venus, thank you for your support. Let's take that a little bit further. Uh, let's start with you, Travis, but then go to um, all the others. What do you like to hear in your course reports? Those are, so course reports are really tough. I, I think the coaches have a really hard job and I, I've learned more and more about this from like coaching at the American Downhill camps and things, but I mean, it's really hard to portray the right type of information and every athlete has, has different needs of what they want to hear. For me, I, I really want to know what's going on. I don't want anyone to sugarcoat anything or bring emotions into a course report. I want to know, like, are people missing gates? Where'd this person crash? Is there a hole somewhere? Is it fast? Is it slow? Are people getting pulled? Like, I need, I need like facts. And then I can decide what to do based on that. Like, I hate it when a, a course report comes across and it's like, conditions are perfect. Like, speeds are similar jumps are similar send it like there's a lot of vagueness in that where like like similar to what like similar to the lot to yesterday the day before to last year like like i don't know i just i, I like the course reports that actually provide deep, like information and, and, and as, a, as the athlete as the person actually taking the risk and skiing like i'm analyzing all that stuff and i have to decide how to use that information to take the risk that i'm going to take to push however hard i'm going to push like those are things that I'm going to make. I don't want my coaches to make that decision for me. I don't want my coach to be like, like conditions are perfect. You got to push harder than you've ever pushed before. Like send it like the, that's the most useless course report in the history of course reports. Like, of course, I'm going to try my hardest. Like I'm at a ski race, but instead tell me like, like, is there a groove or is there a shadow in this one turn? Is it dark? Like, the, like information, you know, anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's up to the athlete really. I mean, in my eyes for me, like, I want to have a plan and I talked about my plan to each coach in each section. And then it was the teammates as well. It's like, Hey, you know, let me know how big this jumps are going. Or if I could trim off a little line coming into this one, like, you know, section here. And if you kind of like set those parameters and just kind of like 
what you want to hear. And then it's like, if, if nothing's changed and nothing's different than my plan, then let's just like, you know, say nothing, you know, yeah. just, fine. but like, you know, you have to have, there's an element of trust. You gotta have, have to have trust between your teammates and the coaches to know what they're saying to really like, you know, utilize to your advantage or like some guys, I just kind of, I don't even want to hear this course report. I'm out of here. Walk away. I was kind of one of those guys. I think I didn't really care much about the reports. Like unless there's something really going wrong, something, a change from our inspection plan. I was like, whatever, it's, it's all good. Now that, now that I'm a coach in a little bit, I pretty much give the as inspected report. <laughs> The most useless report ever. Yeah, I was the same. I just wanted to know if it was different than yesterday or different than what I was going to expect or what we talked about or, you know, more speed, less speed, more air, less air. I mean, I didn't want too much information. I, I would say like for downhill, I'm on the same boat as you two. Like, like by race day, you don't really need a course report because you've done all the training rounds. You're dialed, you know, the line, like at that point you're just going, but for super G it's tough. Like I, that's, yeah. How do you get your mindset to to take that risk? If it's all if Super G is all about risk, Travis, how do you how do you get there uh, to ride that fine line? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a psychological uh, journey that I take before each race. So like, and it, and it's something that happens in the start. I mean, like during inspection, obviously, I'm I'm trying to like figure out my line and my plan and all these things, and it's something you really do internally. And then like during warm up, free skiing, I just kind of like try to relax and just feel my body out and make sure everything feels balanced and comfortable. And then at the start, um, it's just kind of, like I said, like a mental journey where I kind of go through checking in with, with all these little things that I need to check in with to make sure I'm ready to kind of push. And, and, and it's just a timing thing of where like, you know, you're going to start bib seven say and so you have like 10 minutes before the start and so it's just it's just a routine that i go through in order to get to that position and like know that i'm just going to push as hard as i possibly can and 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 then i and then i just let go i just like i'm like all right like whatever happens happens here we go let's have fun like it's just it's but it's not like you go from like sitting on the couch to like that like it's it's a build up throughout the the race day to get to that moment where you're like you know the moment's coming and and you do everything you can to like prepare physically and mentally and then you get there and you kind of like I, for me it's more of like just relaxing and letting go and be like all right like finally I get to go like I've been the waiting game's over let's have fun like and then and then whatever happens happens you know it's yeah Travis I got something I've been wanting to ask you um like whenever I'm watching your race if you're within like seven or eight tenths with two splits to go I feel like you're always a threat to win because you like consistently pull back time on the last second to last split and the last split of the race. Like sometimes it defies logic how fast you are on the last split. Is that like a conscious thing? Are you thinking about that? Or is it, what do you think is behind that? Um, I def it's definitely not a conscious thing. I'm not like, I'm not like uh, changing how I'm skiing, I guess. I, I don't know. I think, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I've never tried to go faster in any section if, to, to answer that question. I've like never like consciously tried to go faster. It just naturally happens. <laughs> Defies logic. Like you said, I don't know. I have no That's idea. kind of what I figured your answer would be. It's just like, I mean, you must, I feel like it might be cause you're, you have really good endurance and you're stay, stay consistent throughout the race. Maybe where other guys are fatiguing. 
I mean, I never get tired. Like that's definitely something. Like I've never been tired. I, <laughs> I feel like I could go right back up and I could do like a four minute race probably. And then I'd probably feel something, but like my legs feel great. And so I'm just relaxed and enjoying. I, I think that's the main point is like, I get to these last sections of the courses and I like, I relax because like, and I, and I, I remember of like what, what happened earlier in the race. Like I, like I, like the upper sections, like I remember like I think back, like I did all those fun sections. Like I, it was so much fun, like the adrenaline from that, like, and I just, and then I just enjoy the last little bit. I, yeah. So that's maybe the switch in mentality from like the upper sections. I'm like trying to push hard and trying to do something and like really trying to like go fast. And then I, I like survive those sections. I make it down and then I just like relax. And I'm like, that was fun. And I don't know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's hard to have that, that mentality of like, wow, that was fun in the start house when you're about to go and then like at the first or second or third split but then like once you've actually like skied a bit it's like it's like that you like i don't know you just you get into the flow and you get into the rhythm and i i yeah i think if if races were like a minute longer i think i would have done a lot better in my career and so i mean obviously you train really hard you're really fit but how about like fueling up like what do you do day before so evening and then morning like of the race like What's the ideal for you as far as like fueling up? Yeah, I mean, I for sure hydration is a huge part. So like for me, um, the 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 hour or two between inspection and the race, I I make sure I drink a lot, and it, and it's a mixture of like electrolytes and creatine, and and I also try to eat like a banana for some potassium, and like just really try to like like to the point where I'm like I'm peeing every five minutes, like I like I'm overhydrated, but I think for some reason, that's just kind of like the, the way that I like to, to prepare myself physically. And as far as food, I mean, it's so hard to have consistency with that when you're on the road. So I just eat whatever, but, but for sure, like a banana and then the sports mix. And then, and then like the other thing is on the chair, right up to the start, having like one or two cliff shots, like the blo or cliff blocks, those, those blocks. And then like 15 minutes before I go having another block. Um, those are game changing as well. Do the, so, do the nerves in the morning, like shake out another, an extra for you? <laughs> yeah, like a free race um not not on the hill but like for sure <laughs> more, i mean just a little more than normal maybe in the mornings but <laughs> you gotta go in light and feel like you're on fire right you don't want to be carrying extra baggage <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, apparently you had a had a, a pre-race team then <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i did it worked that's why I mean, he was never fast on the top flats of <laughs> i should have held that thing in but he i was, was worried coming out is this is this good enough for a, is this PG for a podcast? It's all uh, I'll have to edit this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey Travis, do you like to know what specific racers have done? So are you looking at what Creekmeyer has done or Foyt? Or are you just would do you want to know the fastest time when you get in the gate? How much information on what's happening in the race do you want? I want yeah, zero, zero information about other people. Like at the end of the day it's like it's up to you to ski your race and so if you're if you're basing how you're gonna ski off of how other people have done before you then it's like you've already lost the race so for me like the whole concept of competition and downhill ski racing i i don't really like like i love skiing downhill for the feelings i get of skiing downhill and pushing my limits and the time is irrelevant like at that point and so that's kind of where i'm at Doug Lewis here. If you are a U12, U14, or U16, Elite Team Fitness Camps are for you. This is not your average fitness camp as we teach the vital skills of sports psychology and sports nutrition along with tough, challenging workouts. 
You will leave camp with more power, strength, and agility, with a deeper understanding about nutrition, and with the mental skills of confidence, focus, and pushing limits, which will take you to the next level. Over our 30 years, we have coached Olympic champions, World Cup stars, NCAA champions, including US ski teamers, Michaela Schifrin, Lauren Masuga, Alice Merriweather, Jimmy Krupka, Grace Henderson, and Sammy Worthington. And finally, although we push our limits to the edge, we have a ton of fun. We are holding two week-long sessions this July at the Killington Mountain School. Find all the info at EliteTeam.com. Hey, you've been on the team for a long time, and maybe Marco and Darren can talk about what Travis was like as a rookie, but uh, how has your mentality changed? What were, what were you like when you were first on the team? What was crazy? And then as a veteran, you know, what have you learned and how has it changed? I mean, when I first made the team, it was super stressful. Like, being this little kid around all these like veteran ski racers, like being in that environment was like, gave you a lot of anxiety and stress. And to the point where like, when I was young, I don't really remember a lot because I was constantly just like a ping pong ball bouncing off of everything and trying to like figure out what was going on and then trying to show up and race. So like when you're, when I was younger, that was kind of the mentality and, and everything was new. And I mean, back in the day, like for sure, we like partied a little more and like things were a little different, you know, like it was, it was fun, but it was like a lot to manage. And, and as, especially as a kid, I was pretty young when I was joining the crew. Um, and then now that I'm older, I mean, I think all those little things don't matter anymore. Like, like you get to a point where like, like the travel and the, the, the pre-race routines and like all these things become so normal and, and just, I don't know, you don't stress over all the little things as much. And it just becomes for sure. I'm like, enjoying it a little differently now like I'm definitely relaxed and like enjoying each moment um and taking taking like the time to like hit the pause button and like sm like just enjoy where I'm at and what I'm doing and being like grateful for the 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 lifestyle like that when I when I was first on the team I was all I was trying to do was perform and that was like the, the only thing and and I missed out on like some of the other parts of the lifestyle and the sport and the traveling and the people and the food and the cultures. I mean, it's, it's such a cool thing we get to do, but when you're young, you're just trying to perform. So, yeah. I think that's great advice. Like for young, young racers to take it all in and, and don't just think about your results at the end of the day it, I, from all of us retired guys. I think it, it's a lot more than that, that we remember and the results are just numbers on the page, but all the experiences are where it's at. Hey, Doug Lewis here, and I wanna talk about the American Downhiller Speed Camp. American Downhiller is the leader in teaching young ski racers how to go fast and have fun. 2023 will mark the sixth annual American Downhiller Speed Skills Camp in Mammoth Mountain. Our speed camp is coached exclusively by current and former World Cup racers and coaches who are passionate about helping the next generation of athletes achieve their dreams. We specifically focus on aerodynamics, jumping technique, speed tactics, and the mental training required to safely navigate Super G and downhill race courses. If you are a ski racer who wants to go fast, check out our website, americandownhiller.com for all specific camp dates. Are we not going to choose top three? I'm, I'm, I must be leading our top three. You, you crushed it. Yeah. You crushed That's it. That's it? I win for the season after one race? You get a thousand <laughs> points. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I want to go top three and see who picks Travis to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I don't know if we can do it with Travis here. <laughs> Travis is a Travis for podium last week. I got burned. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, actually, before you guys do that, thank you guys so much for having me. That was an awesome uh, little catch up. I mean, the, the amount of ski racing downhill knowledge on this call is, is 
I don't know, few and far between, especially in the U.S. So that was cool. Um, thanks, thanks for all the support. And like, I mean, you guys have all inspired me throughout my whole career. So it's been it's been fun to learn from you guys. And then hopefully what I'm learning, I can pass on to the next generation and keep this ball rolling because the American Downhiller crew is pretty special. So um, appreciate it. Um, you guys can choose me. I'm going to leave now. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Travis. Go fast. Thanks, Trav. See you in a couple yeah. days. Good luck. All right, Travis is gone, so we can make our picks for the Birds of Prey downhill. We're just doing it for the downhill. Um, here's my top five. That'll get Travis in it. So I am going Kilday, Foyt, Odermott, Travis, RCS. So I got two Americans in the top, but I still got the podium of Kilday, Foyt, and Odermott. Who's up? Well, I got to pick mine. Travis because he was, he was just on. AJ, did he just steal your old podium? You did the whole thing, everything. I did. Yes, that's exactly who I was going to pick. Well, the the old, you can't pick first. Okay, the veterans pick the same. All right, you rookies, Marco and Darren, let's do it. Oh man, um, I mean, I get like I said, I got to go with Travis for the win because he just yep. did a great interview, um, and he's the hometown boy, and he that's yeah he'll be up there um odor matt last week was very impressive so i'll put him right behind and uh foyt's coming back he's won here a couple times so go with foyt's for third all right d money yeah odor mott kill day foyt's yeah i can uh travis just you know come in and steal the show and at the RCS, I mean, it's just like, wow, hard to predict stuff, but those top three guys are hard to like bet against. So, yeah, I got to say, I think Odermatt's just licking his chops right now, the way he's skiing and the results he's had. And I mean, the way we saw him skiing, training at Copper, I mean, that guy's got, he can win anything he wants to. I definitely want to just uh, say something about all our picks. Not one Austrian is in our pick. So, I'm very, very happy about that. I can sleep well. Anyway, thanks for watching and listening to our American Downhiller podcast. If you liked it, please spread the word. Share with your friend, coaches, teammates, and club. You can find us on SkiRacing.com, Elite Team's YouTube channel, and in audio forum on either Spotify or Apple. And thanks to our American Downhiller sponsors, ADL Ski Club, Wend Wax, Elite Team Fitness Programs, and the American Downhiller Camps. For AJ, Darren, Marco, and for Travis, thanks for listening.